0: Hello, everybody, and this is Pill Talk, the daily's podcast about sex, dating, and all that's in between. I'm Chrissy McManigle, and joining us today is the granddaddy of the Soundbite <laughs> Network, the original creator of the Soundbite podcast. This is Alex Burrell. Hey, Christine. Thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. Uh, so Alex is kind of what we look forward to being. He's a successful—he's <laughs> enjoying this. He's enjoying my little plug right <laughs> now. He's a successful guy. He finished college. He got a job in the news industry out of college, which is what a lot of us want to do and may not get there but what I think Alex has discovered is that when you hop into the adult life, you reevaluate expectations, you sign a, you kind of set a new standard for yourself, and those standards can be altered, especially when it comes to sex. Uh, your sex life as an adult will be a lot different than your sex life as a high schooler or a college student.
1: Yeah, I, I would say mine hasn't gotten any better since graduating <laughs> college, but in general, for most people, I'd say that's true.
0: But uh, the focus of today's episode is actually just about selective celibacy, not involuntary celibacy, but selective celibacy, And basically just choosing when to have sex, when to not have sex, and how it can improve your life in general.
1: Yeah. So and kind of on that, there are two, I guess, caveats or notes about because I think when people hear the idea of like, oh, not having sex or choosing not to have sex, I guess there's two misconceptions I want to clear up first. So the first one is that uh, the misconception that there's some kind of like moral moral or ethical side to it. And there absolutely isn't. Mm It's not about, you know, staying pure for Jesus. Uh, It's not about saving yourself. The kind of the ideas and the strategies I'm going to talk about are really for, you know, couples who want to kind of introduce just a new way of having sex, which is, you know, periodically not having sex into their sex life. And also some of the advantages can be for people Mostly for, you know, men or, or people with penises who masturbate too much and some of the advantages for slowing that down. Mm. So there's more, but I mean, in general, it's it's very amoral. It's mm-hmm. not, there's no kind of moral or evaluation or judgment in it. The other one has to do with a term called incels. My favorite,
0: it's going to be my favorite topic today, actually. Yeah,
1: we're going to get into incels. And it's, I, I think incels have kind of gotten their time in the sun in the last few weeks. We had that attack in Canada that was by a self-professed incel, and then you had all these kind of spicy New York Times opinion articles coming out. And now everyone has a general idea of what an incel is. But this community has been around for years. They've generally kind of had the same sort of kind of self-pitying, pretty misogynistic, pretty nihilistic outlook, although it varies in these communities. Mm -hmm. Obviously, no community is kind of just one way. But all that to say, it's not about what I'm going to talk about is not about them either. I think you could you could have a three hour conversation about them, and it would be fascinating. but this is specifically for people you know not who are unable to have or believe they are unable to have sex with people they want. This is for people voluntarily uh, abstaining from sex for a number of reasons as yeah. we'll get into
0: so for Alex, I believe at the moment you are not currently dating, you're not in a relationship, but you've realized that there are a lot of perks to not having sex or not masturbating nearly as much?
1: Sure. I I would say there are, I've kind of compiled a list of benefits or or ways to look at, you know, kind of a period of down sexuality and and not as much of a negative Mm -hmm. light and to kind of reframe how you look at those periods because everyone has those. And I think for different people, different people can kind of handle different amounts. So for for one person, you know, three months without sex is an eternity. Mm -hmm. It's a dry spell for other people, you know, 5 years is is kind of what they would consider a long time. So I think that's maybe just the first little thing is that everyone's everyone has kind of a different relative idea yeah. of how long is a long time. But I'm going to go through a few reasons I guess I feel that are ways to look at it that are kind of silver lining. So mm-hmm. one of which, I would say really the big one, and I'm going to be speaking mostly from my experience as a kind of a cis male, so, mm-hmm. you know, I can't really speak to people outside of that demographic, but I can say for penis havers especially, there is, uh, how do I put this? It's easy to get death grip if you jack off too much. Um, Did you
0: experience this being in a new town, not dating nearly as much?
1: Oh no, this uh, this was more of a high school thing uh-huh. for me. And I think for a good portion of, of high school boys in my situation, uh, who or who were in my situation at that age, I think that's a pretty common thing to go through. You've got a lot of hormones at that mm-hmm. age. You've got a lot of free time at that age and so you know if you're a young man and you're in high school or college you know you might find yourself masturbating two or three times a day. Um,
0: Interesting okay. You know that
1: can be and and you know I've I've known people who have do much more. I knew a guy who masturbated 14 times a day which is just impressive. I, uh, I, I'm i surprised th- there's like, a level of skill to that I think.
0: The, I think the most impressive part of that little factoid is the fact that at the end of the day his dick wasn't just like like, there's just nothing left, and, like, there's no ammunition left. Oh, no, that
1: happens. Uh, and that's kind of part—I guess, actually, that's kind of getting into it. So, I mean, I guess to get into the biology a little bit, because that's really what this first advantage is, the way the penis works is it you have diminishing returns mm-hmm. after each orgasm. I'm not entirely sure, but I, I believe that's different from the way that— you know, a, a, a vaginal or a clitoral orgasm works. It is a
0: little bit different, yeah. Yeah.
1: So with a, you know, let's say you're a 17-year-old dude, you're in your bedroom, your dad's at work and your mom just went out for groceries. So it's like, all right, it's game time. You know, if you masturbate once, you know, that's the baseline. The second time, it's going to be more difficult. It's not going to feel as good. After a few more times, you're, you know, you've got, as you said, you're out of ammunition. You've got nothing mm-hmm. left in the tank. And after a while, inevitably, I'm sure it would start hurting.
0: It doesn't start hurting when you try to ejaculate and there's nothing there and you're spasming, but it's not nearly as pleasurable.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't say it hurts, but it just kind of, you kind of, you reach this point where you're just like, you realize that your body is just like doing this purely biological thing and Mm -hmm. you start to not even, it starts to not even feel pleasurable. It's just like, oh, this is, this is my body responding to stimuli now. Uh But I guess to get back to my point, if you, do masturbate too much and you kind of your body needs more uh, stimulation to reach ejaculation one of one of the things that can result is you know you might be gripping too hard mm-hmm. uh, with your hand and that's can lead to what we call a death grip you know early on in a few of my relationships growing up before i really knew what i was doing in in the bedroom I would have, you know, problems ejaculating mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it was due to death grip at the time Okay, and just kind of workshopped it with, uh, you know, the persons that I was dating at the time. And, it, you know, it was a really easy fix. It was like, you really just go a week without jacking off. Hmm. And that, that really does it. I mean, even if it's been, I mean, it wasn't, it hadn't been a really long-term problem for me, but even if someone's been doing it for a while, you can kind of return to your baseline sensitivity pretty quickly. So a week, two weeks, you know, it's kind of a really long-term thing. And and basically, you'll find yourself kind of back up to, you know, high sensitivity, getting an erection, just walking around because you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> you know. And of course, that's that kind of will build into, I guess, my second point, which is about abstaining for the sake of the challenge of it. But there, that's kind of the big one. That's the health benefit, I think, yeah. is you, you really can cure some erectile dysfunction issues. No,
0: I can definitely agree to that. I remember in high school, you know, I'm with my first long-term boyfriend. We're having a decent amount of sex just because we can. We had free condoms and the resources. So we're like, okay, great, let's go. And he wasn't nearly enjoying as much a couple weeks into our sex life, like the start of our sex life. I remember suggesting like, just like, why don't you like, because on top of our sex life, he was also masturbating, still at the same rate as when he was um, not having sex. And I suggest like, why don't you just like lay off for a couple days, see what that happens. And it did really improve. We didn't have any issues afterwards. He was much more into it because he was looking forward to that, and rather than just, just accumulating another orgasm for the day, essentially.
1: Definitely, and and actually, I I was in a similar situation uh, with someone I was dating a few years ago, and actually did an experiment where you know, and so now I'm, now I guess I'm getting into uh, part two, which is the challenge part. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, one of the benefits of practicing celibacy briefly, and again, this is specific to masturbation, is I think there's a lot of fun in taking any kind of personal challenge. So whether that's saying I'm going to, you know, run a mile a day, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week, you know, another thing can be I'm going to see how long I can go without masturbating. Mm. So I was in a fairly long term relationship. I just kind of decided on a whim one day I would stop. And I think I lasted eight months.
0: Eight months. Eight without months. That masturb- that's, that's very impressive, actually.
1: Yeah. And my goal had been to go for a year. I didn't quite make it that long. Now obviously it helped a lot that I I had a girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. So clearly that that makes a big difference. It would have been it's really impressive if someone can go that long without having kind of another release valve, mm-hmm. you know, to just if you're if you're really going 8 months without any kind of contact, I think that's impressive. What I did was difficult, but it wasn't, you know, anything
0: obscene or right, I mean, yeah.
1: it wasn't like hopeless. And that can be fun for a few ways. I mean, the first is, you know, it, it helped with death grip it helped with making me feel more attracted to the person i was dating mm-hmm. it was just kind of fun just to, to, to challenge myself in that way and it you know there's there's this there's this reddit community called r slash nofap um <laughs> and the goal of of nofap is you uh you see how long you can go without mm-hmm. masturbating and some people do it to break a porn habit some people do it again just for the sake of challenge and there's there's a running joke on the subreddit that like oh you know Three weeks in, you your mind gets sharper. One month in, you can start levitating small objects. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's and, that you know, meme, right? And obviously, you know that's it's a meme that you, you don't gain superpowers by not masturbating. But like with any challenge, where you say I'm going to I'm going to take this like hobby that I really enjoy and not and not allow myself to do it. I think it gives you a new perspective. Oh, definitely. I mean, saying It's the same thing as saying, I'm not going to play video games for a month or I'm not going to watch TV for a month. I mean, it forces you to find different things to do with the time that you would have spent watching TV or playing games or masturbating. And so in that sense, I think it can be, it can have some minor life changes. But for me, it was, it was mostly to just improve my sex life. And it did, it really helped.
0: And then the next one, so th- we also have like, if you're not gonna masturbate and you're not having that much physical contact, you also, you obviously get much more tense, but then you start looking forward to other things as well. And this is something that I've I've really had to deal with um, recently, not recently, but this school year, I was single for a very decent amount of time. I'd gone on my second long-term relationship and that was train wreck and kind of just needed a lot of time to myself. I spent multiple months being by myself, but I did still miss sex, obviously, I really did. And also living with a roommate who was in my rooms was a bit of a challenge so you can't you cannot masturbate nearly as much especially since my roommate had a more recluse lifestyle than I did and so that was that was very interesting and that was really it was fun actually channeling that my sexual attention like you actually do get so much you you can get a much better lifestyle out of it and so the time that I was single I was much I was more focused in school I achieved my highest GPA essentially and then I also was going to gym more often and I was at work constantly and doing whatever I could to be productive and release endorphins in other ways so also like working out Etc. And that was that was really nice being able to, you know, just channel that and then the moment that I finally did get into a sexual Relationship again, that was really interesting. I was that was it was it started off well mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. So
1: I see I, I totally identify with kind of the experience you're you're saying I mean and I occasionally still do kind of Restart that challenge and I'll say like okay, you know three months, you know, or something like that mm-hmm. something kind of manageable I do that every once in a while and I find you know when I do that the kind of the same things where I have more energy I feel more kind of just awake and lucid. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all this kind of pent-up feeling and emotion, and, and so you look to get out in other ways, and I do exercise more too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think—oh, and one other thing I just remembered, and again, this is for you know, men, for cis men specifically, I believe, but your testosterone rises when you, you abstain from masturbating. And uh, I have researched it a lot, and my understanding is when you, you know, if, if you stop masturbating on Sunday— Seven days later on the next Sunday is when your testosterone peaks, and then um, then you kind of start losing the, the benefits of abstaining. So you can kind of schedule it in a way and say, you know, oh, I'm going to masturbate once a week, and then you'll kind of be riding those testosterone peaks because it is about a week. You know, the first few days you're kind of okay, mm-hmm. but it is around day five or seven. It varies, but it's around the end of the week where you really start feeling the effects of it and Mm -hmm. so I think that's correlated with the testosterone's peak so if you kind of just repeat that process every week you're constantly tapping into that
0: I did an athlete and that's what he did so he he had like about weekly races he was a kayaker and so he would schedule basically his orgasms and masturbating sessions around his races and so he's like all right don't touch me like we'll cuddle but like (laughs) <laughs> Don't go anywhere near my dick. I'm like, sounds good, all right. I'll keep my hands to myself. So when he was in his prime, like competing season, that's what he would do. And then he he said that he actually noticed he would felt more aggressive, he had more aggressive starts, and he was actually able to be more successful when he was doing that. So
1: Yeah, it's kind okay. of like you know, like wearing training weights, you mm-hmm. know? It's 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 just a way of kind of artificially Putting yourself into a slightly different state that you can control and you can decide when you want to, when you want that state to end, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean it's great for athletes because an athlete has a very kind of structured, regimented schedule. So you know uh, when your when your meets are, when your races are, so you can say, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ejaculate on X, Y, and Z days, mm-hmm. and then you have that planned out. So the next one I have on my list is this idea I've thought about a lot. Which is gaining greater appreciation for the only way I can describe it is lower level sex, but that doesn't do a good job of describing um, it,
0: like basic things. Yeah, so like hand jobs, blow jobs. Yeah,
1: so more first and second base stuff, I guess stuff you know below uh, penetration um, and and more and so I I incl- I had this. Uh, as you know, in the, in the Google Doc we used for notes, I put a link to a comic from Calvin and Hobbes. Because okay. I think that Calvin's dad would make a great sex therapist. I, I mean, his mom probably would too. Uh, but his dad has all these lessons about building character and practicing mm-hmm. patience. And he's kind of like this uh, kind of stoic figure. On my phone, I'm going to pull up the specific comic so I can read a little bit of it. But it's this comic where Calvin is with his dad and his dad is grilling burgers. Calvin's like, can't we cook the hamburgers yet? And his dad, oh, he's not grilling; they're, they're putting them on coals. Actually, I don't know. I don't I don't make I don't make burgers outside of just like frying them on the stove. Oh I don't no,
0: I've I've done the brew cats. They take like a hot sec to actually get going. Okay, it's, it's a but, process. But this is
1: grilling. What he's doing? with mm-hmm. Okay. See, so I don't I don't I don't know these things. <laughs> um, but anyways, Calvin is really impatient. He wants to eat now. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to wait. He's like, why don't we just go to McDonald's? You know, if if we have to wait. And What his dad says. Is, you know, Calvin, sometimes the anticipation of something is more fun than the thing itself once you get it. And he talks about, you know, we're sitting out here, it's a beautiful day. You can look at the trees and the sunset while the coals get hot. And he's saying, you know, dinner will be over soon and you're going to forget about it and you'll be distracted by all the other things you have to do. But right now, you can enjoy anticipating that dinner mm. in the evening. And, you know, I don't know Bill Watterson personally but I think he might have had sex on the mind when he drew this comic (laughs) because I think that's a perfect analogy for sex. I think if you are, at least for me, I think if you're obsessed with the orgasm, if you see that as like the ending point, the finish line, and you're Mm -hmm. like, even if you're not rushing to get there, but if it's the thing you have in mind and you're focused on like having the best, most epic, you know, (laughs) bass boosted dubstep drop (laughs) orgasm of all time, like if that's what your goal is, I think you're missing out on 95% of what's enjoyable at, about sex.
0: And that 95% is foreplay and the, right. it's you, you guys like kind of you say start out and you come together and it's, you guys feed off each other's bodily responses and that keeps building up and then you won't move on to sex.
1: Right. Which, I mean yeah. I almost think the rhythm, you know, sex is I kind of also compare sex to like a dance because you have these rhythms and you have up periods and down periods, oh, yeah. you know, speeds up, slows down. But you can really divide it into foreplay where you're working your way up you haven't decided exactly what you want to do then you reach the plateau where you're like okay we're, we're definitely having sex now and you know we're working towards kind of achieving climax and then climax uh but those first two periods the foreplay and the plateau they're both great there's a lot to enjoy in them and you can rele- you can relearn to appreciate you know, it's kind of like when you're a teenager and you're just for the first time. I, I shouldn't say when you're a teenager. When, whenever, whatever age you are, when you first begin experimenting sexually, getting a hand job is, like, amazing, mm-hmm. you know? It's like when, when I was in high school and, like, first started becoming sexually active, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, this is incredible. Like, what is going on? And you get older and you get jaded and, you know, world-weary. And, and it's like it... it It doesn't stop being a good thing, but it it, it loses a sense of magic it had. But you can reclaim that magic Mm. by saying, if you and your partner kind of say, okay, we're going to take a month or two, let's say, and we're not going to have sex. We're not going to be sexually active, but we're going to use that time to be really intimate and to Mm. flirt a lot and to kind of tease each other a lot and to just build up this really complex set of interactions and emotions you you can build up so much anticipation that once you get back into things, then it's like, then the hand job is great again. Then Mm. it's like, whoa, it's finally happening again. You've relearned to appreciate it in the same way that if you listen to your favorite album 10 times in the same week, you kind of get sick of it and you have to wait a few months to re-listen again Mm. and like, oh, now I remember why I like this. So it's a long-winded way of saying anticipation is often just as good or sometimes better than the end result, you know, An orgasm is five to 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. but you can have hours of fun before that and potentially weeks or months of anticipation before that. So that's one advantage. And that's why I I linked, that's why I referenced Calvin's dad. because I think just like Calvin eventually would learn to appreciate waiting for the burgers in the same way, you know, we can, we can enjoy every single step in the process, you know, before climax. Because every step is great. There's value to it.
0: You actually remind me of this was Sex and City episode. I believe it's like season one or season two. Season two, actually. The woman, There's one character, and she's the more sex-driven one. She's kind of a huntress. She sets her eyes on someone. She goes after them, and her prey this time is her yoga instructor, and she tries to seduce him. And the yoga instructor like, says, "No, I've I haven't had sex in three years," and so she's like, "Why would you choose to do that?" And he talks about like he enjoys he enjoys foreplay, he enjoys being in constant foreplay as well, because for him, that's the best part. He just enjoys being on the precipice of like like of, of like, something else, but he doesn't ever want to cross that threshold. And so it's a really interesting concept, and I really like that episode it's my favorite one, so they debate back and forth and then she starts feeling the effects because she's given up sex for like a week, and she's you know, she's so tense, and she's she does a really good job. It's hard for me to explain but her acting's pretty, it's pretty spot on about this, and I can really understand it. But then it also reminds me about you know my relationship currently the relationship started with sex like we didn't date we had sex first and then we started a relationship and for that I constantly think about that first night I do because there's a lot of anticipation and just like this feeling of new you're trying to figure him out you're trying he's trying to figure you out and it's it's really it's very it's a very youthful feeling as well And I enjoy that a lot and so we've been dating for a few months now and I go back to that feeling, and sometimes I wonder like if i if we stopped having sex for like two or three weeks, could we gain that back because I, I enjoy sex now, you know obviously, but sometimes like there's that one little thing missing because now it's a more it's a rhythm, it's a routine. I want to achieve that old feeling again
1: right the the excitement of not of novelty is gone mm-hmm. exactly uh, you, it doesn't mean you aren't enjoying what you're doing because sex is inherently pleasurable, but there's an element of it maybe that's that's lost a little bit of glimmer
0: yeah yeah, exactly
1: yeah absolutely and then i guess the last one and we're kind of veering back into talking about incels a little bit but Uh I, i think this is maybe a hopeful way to look at kind of being not very sexually active last one is this idea of reclaiming control and rewriting the narrative for a potentially unsatisfying sex life
0: I can talk about dates oh, for this. Please go ahead. no, no, okay. I, I'm curious I want to hear your perspective first before I jump in.
1: So I think, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, I am not, I guess let's say highly sexually active. have been, you know, since i I started in high school, but it's just not a, a super frequent thing for me. Partially, I think because I am generally a little more relationship invested. I don't feel comfortable having sex with someone unless i have like some level of emotional connection Mm. to them and that's kind of those those two are connected so it's like the more kind of involved the sex the more i kind of have to feel uh, like i kind of trust the person and so you know especially in college that kind of presented some obstacles just because it's you know it's it's a lot of hooking up in college i guess i'll put it that way and so that's part of it and then the other part is just uh sex is not as much of a, a priority in my life as kind of other things are it's still great. I still love doing it, but it's kind of lower on the totem pole than other goals I have, other things I want to spend my time doing. And so, you know, you only have 24 hours in a day. It just most days, just like it's not a goal I'm pursuing. Mm-hmm. That being said, it, it would be easy, and this is part of why I I feel, uh, with the huge asterisk, huge asterisk, mm-hmm. I feel sympathy for incels in one specific way, which is that it is genuinely unpleasant to not be having as much sex as you want to have. Mm-hmm. It's it's a I think there's like the the triangle of basic needs. It's like yeah. on the bottom rung. It's like sex is like equated with like food and, and shelter. It's like lower than shelter. And and I don't know if I'd put it that low. I I think for me I'd put it maybe near the middle of the triangle. Okay. But, you know, it's it's tied up with your ego, it's tied up with your sense of self worth. And I think if you you know aren't having as much sex as you want or, or any sex that can, that's obviously like frustrating physically, but it's also, it can be emasculating. It can be embarrassing. And so all that's not fun, but I think there's a way to reclaim that narrative and to say, what does it really mean that I'm not having sex? And a few of the ways you can look at it, you know, I've already gone over one of which is to say, you know, I can use this as a way to challenge myself. You know, if you're, again, if you're like a young a young man, and you really want to be having more sex, you know, just stop masturbating entirely for a month. And you will find that you are much more driven to go on and have sex. (laughs) The motivation will come to you magically, and you will find yourself, uh, you will find clarity in the goal of like, you know, finding a partner and and wooing them and having sex with them. Uh, You can also look at it as more intrinsically, just like, you know, I have other things Kind of like you mentioned with that Sex and the City episode, I, you, know, you maybe just enjoy the foreplay and the teasing and everything else, and you're making it a mission to kind of achieve that instead. And I think the most important thing and you know, the, the way that could potentially save lives even – because, again, you look at the terrorists in Canada who and, and terrorists in the United States over the past few years yeah. who have killed because they consider themselves incels – it's It ultimately, to me, comes down to just not making such a big fucking deal out of it. It's like a lot of people die alone and virgins. Maybe not a oh lot, God. but a fair amount of people do. Yeah. And there are plenty of people in the world who never or very, very rarely have sex. And they have pets and they mm-hmm. have gardens and they go hiking and they get jobs. They do all the other kind of normal things that we do. It's just sex maybe isn't one of those things they live fulfilling lives and you can live a meaningful fulfilling life even if you're not having a lot of sex not everyone can for some people it it is crucial to having Mm -hmm. an important meaningful life and that's one thing you have to figure out but it's important to to figure out i think what role it plays in your life and like for me for instance you know i can't really do casual sex i've tried multiple times didn't go well I realized I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And so for me, it's like, okay, I can scratch that off my list of, like, experiences society tells me I have to have to be happy. It's like, oh, I know now I don't need to have that to be happy. Mm -hmm. I can ignore it. I can, you know, find another way to achieve happiness. And I think that's really crucial is finding out what your needs are and rewriting your story so you're not looking back and saying, oh, I went – six or seven years being a total beta and I never, you know, accomplished anything and I never, you know, seduced any chicks. It's, that's a really, really depressing way to look at it. It's really self-defeating. It's really easy to just despair and think that way. I think it's better to think like, I spent seven years not having as much sex as I would have liked to. I've done uh, presumably some thinking along the way about what kind of sex I would like to have and the ways that I could get myself there. And it's like, now I have... I have that treasure trove of knowledge, and, and more importantly, like I've been waiting that long that when it happens, I'm going to really be looking forward to it. I'm going to be anticipating mm-hmm. it. That brings us back to anticipation. It's like if it has been a while, you know, flip it on its head. Don't think about, oh, it's been so long. That sucks. Try to think about it in terms of it's been so long. You know it's going to be great when it happens. Yeah, and I, th- I think injecting a little bit of positivity, injecting a little bit of Calvin's dad and his lessons on patience and kind of stoicism and appreciating the moment are valuable. And I, I guess if if anyone's out there is listening and they are, feel these frustrations, we all do. I feel them every once in a while. But the way to deal with it uh, is not to lash out at people for not having sex with you. It's not their fault. It's no one's fault. It's mm-hmm. it's just a thing that's not happening. And it's your job to either change that state or to find a, a different way to feel about it that is healthier.
0: I definitely agree with you. This perspective and mentality is so important on this issue because with people who are not having sex, you have two types of personalities. You have the personality that you just talked about, which is they have productive lifestyles, they find other ways to spend their time. And then you have this more negative mentality, which is because it's it's the easier route, to be fair. It's easier to find blame in something rather than to be like, okay, well, this is just my circumstance, or maybe I'm not doing something. So for incels, I felt like that they're doing the easy way out of finding a blame. The blame is women don't appreciate me or women are the issue. We point fingers when we want to and when we're desperate. And so this is is what happens. And then you end up accumulating all this anger and frustration and creating a very aggressive archetype, which then leads to a guy in Toronto with his van killing people
1: right and you and i think what's important too is realizing sex is not fair oh definitely it's there are general things people are attracted to there are specific things people are attracted to it's like i always i always try to like express this idea to people but it's like sex is not connected to morality Mm -hmm. it's not like the good guy wins in the end you know it's not like all the everything is divvied up fairly it's sex is like pure capitalism to me. I don't think you get anything that's more indicative of the free market than than sexuality and how people choose partners. And I, I think it's important to realize that that you can't you can't redistribute sex. You can't socialize sex. It's it's an interaction people have, and some people will have more than others. I saw a really interesting statistic about sex rates, and they specifically had the median amount of sex partners men had had at age twenty five and the mode sex partners so mm-hmm. the median measures if you take all men and divide them over their sex partners or something like that i think i'm doing the math right
0: so a median is basically an average a mode is the most common the number middle presented. point yeah. right
1: so yeah the 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 total average is like 16 like by 25 F-
0: what's, the, what's the age for tw- by 25,
1: 25 the, like the median or the mean i'm rather is 25 but the mode the midpoint is like one or two so uh-huh. you think about what that means that means if you look at Like, if you took just the average run-of-the-mill guy in the middle of the pack, he's only had one or two partners by age 25. That's not that intimidating. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're an incel and you're, like, 28 and you've never had sex, you're only one person behind someone three years younger than you. That's not that bad. But everyone looks at the mean. mean. Everyone thinks, oh, well, because there's this 1% of guys, you know, and they are out there who are having sex with a different woman every week, and this is athletes and celebrities, you know, they get that image in their head of the average. It's not really a fair way to look at the average. It's mm-hmm. like, and again, it's it goes back to kind of the free market way this works. It's like, that's just how sex works. There's just some people who are going to have more sex because they are more in line with the general trend of what people find attractive. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the average amount of partners the average person has had, it's really not that high.
0: It's really not the high.
1: It's, one or two by 25 is, is a very achievable goal if you're if you're like a young person and you're worried you know that you've been left behind you're in the back of the pack you've missed out on your golden years or whatever if you have two different sexual partners before you turn 25 you are already above the mode Mm -hmm. and like i don't know I, i i think that's that should instill hopefully a little bit of hope and yeah you know so there's that.
0: Also maybe there's just lack of communication between men because Yeah, definitely obviously there's we, there we is, are bad at that. <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers, but also there's just like you don't really talk about it because there's a sense of competition and you don't want to admit that you don't or you don't want to admit but you don't wanna tell the truth necessarily. You wanna try and like make yourself seem better or ahead of everyone else. But the truth is is that actually people in college r- roughly around the age of twenty, about seventeen percent of them have not had any physical contact whatsoever. And that seventy percent is a relatively high numbers about a fifth of men just no. haven't had sex
1: and a lot of us i think and this is i think is very particular to insults as well and for a lot of men we want to try to protect our our feelings and our our hurt egos and i i do this all the time and one of the ways to do that is to immediately pigeon yourself pigeonhole yourself into one identity uh-huh. so if you're if you haven't had as much sex as you'd like you know rather than kind of honestly evaluate things and say like well maybe it's not Compared to the average, I'm not that bad. You say, well, I'm an incel and Mm. I'm ugly and I'm worthless and I'm unlovable. Uh, I'm not smart and I don't have social skills and I smell kind of weird. And girls just don't, you know, girls will never like me. No matter what I do, it's pointless. And it's like, that's a really attractive way of thinking because it's internally consistent. Mm -hmm. If you believe all those things about yourself, you will manifest them in yourself and it will, it will be, it will, that belief will prove itself true and you won't be challenged. But if you wanna be happy, you have to be willing to be wrong about yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to say, I don't know who I am, because none of us really know who we are, especially in terms of sex. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to say like, I don't know really what I'm into, what my boundaries are, what I would like, and I'm gonna explore those.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. I'm gonna speak on the female perspective because while the incel community was predominantly men, there are also a fraction of women who deal with this. And yes, I, there are women too. I would agree, I dealt with this in high school. I'm like 15 years old, and I already assumed that I should be having sex by now. <laughs> I don't have to be having sex by now. Most people haven't had sex by the time they're 15. But I remember just thinking, cause like it wasn't even just the sex, it was the fact that I hadn't even had like, you know, cause people have like middle school boyfriends and like high school boyfriends that are very basic, like just cute relationships. Right. I didn't have any of that, and I thought I was a total failure. But I remember just being like freshman year and sophomore year of high school, feeling really negative of myself and I had the same mentality I'm like you know it's just because of like all because I'm slightly you know I'm tall I'm slightly overweight and because I have you know I've always aspects about myself I chose to focus on that rather than just being more proactive I basically blamed my natural like physical features and also blamed men I blamed men for having a certain vision of what women should be etc and then the minute I started being proactive that changed I was like all right fuck like just ask someone out, it's fine. <laughs> right. What do you have to lose at this point? And the minute I became the aggressive archetype and then start asking out men, things obviously changed and I was able to actually achieve relationships and have sex and that wasn't an issue. So it was basically just flipping a switch and I was like, all right, just change this, actually do something else besides just sitting there and focusing on yourself and right. having one one facet.
1: And even if it didn't work, even if you made all those changes, you became more positive and it had zero effect on your sex life, I mean, you're still being a more positive person. You're still, like, changing your, your self-image. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you can never lose by by doing what you're talking about, by just shaking yourself out of that rut. It's never yeah. a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And it's basically, the idea is, like, you can't really lose something that you don't have. If you fuck up or you just don't get what you want, you're still in the same spot. It's not like you've backstepped or backpedaled in any sort of manner. In fact, like, even though you haven't actually made any progress, you actually have made progress. You have to remember that as well, I feel like.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Unfortunately, we are actually out of time, so <laughs> this we has have been to-
1: a, Yeah, no, I. This has been a great conversation.
0: Uh, but Alex, thank you so much for coming out here and contributing once again to your little legacy here.
1: Thank you for uh, letting me mansplain uh, sex (laughs) for half an hour. Appreciate that.
0: So this has been Pill Talk with Christy McManigle. If you have any questions, concerns, you want to, if you are an incel and want to prove us wrong and send me a really aggressive email, I would really love that Call me a cuck
1: on Twitter. It hasn't (laughs) happened in like a year now. I miss it. Someone
0: called you a cuck on Twitter?
1: People call me a cuck all the time.
0: Oh, my gosh. But if you want to send us something, send it to us at podcast at dailyedub.com. But thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Christine. Science, technology, engineering, and math. My name is Prapanit Dua and I host a podcast called Women in STEM, where I sit down and talk with men and women in different STEM fields about where their careers have taken them and I also discuss important issues surrounding women in these fields. Join me every other Tuesday on the Soundbite Network from the University of Washington.